Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Tonight we want to talk to you about how to study God's Word. It's on my heart to share with you, so we're going to do that a little bit, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy written Word that reveals to us the living Christ. Knowing your Word is not just intellectually learned, but spiritually perceived and discerned, we ask for ears anointed to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear. As we look into the Word, change us from glory to glory. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory that you deserve for every change that takes place in all of our lives, for the good, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, this is from the Living, New, Living Translation, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples. Everybody say disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice the word disciple. A disciple is a disciplined student. A disciplined student. I realize we don't want to go back to school maybe. You've already been out of school for quite some time. But as long as you are in Jesus, you will be a student of the things of God. For the rest of your life here upon this earth. He is one that studies the life of his master with a desire to emulate his very life and be transformed into his very life. While Jesus isn't here on earth any longer, we can't go somewhere and sit and listen to him preach. He's up in glory. So the way we study his life, the way we learn about him, is found where? In the Bible. It paints us a picture of who he is, his character, his attitudes, and so on. His heart is revealed to us in Scripture. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, look at verse 46. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Powerful statement right there. When you think of it this way, if you call him Lord and Master, then that means you will bow in submission to everything he says. If you were under the lordship of a king, a lord in the natural, and you didn't do what they say, that would be your life. That's it. It's over. You realize that? For where the word of a king is, there's what? Power. So why you call me Lord and don't do what I say? And then he goes on to talk about two individuals. One's wise and one's foolish. And what will the wise man do? Hear the sayings of Jesus and he'll do them. He'll dig deep, lay the foundation of his life upon the solid teaching of his word. And he will do what the word says. The foolish man, he won't do that. He'll hear it but won't do it. And as a result, when the storms come and they come to all of us, what did Jesus say? The wise man in his house will remain standing, but the foolish man, what's going to happen to his house? Devastation is going to come that way. So, it's important that we recognize and understand our need to be students of the Word of God, to find out what Jesus said, because we know that He is smarter than we are. Is He wiser than we are? Is He smarter than we are? You think He knows a few things that we might not know? If we realize that, if we admit that, should not we be studying under him to find out what he knows so we can appropriate that in our lives? Absolutely. We all should. We should be students 
discipline students of the word throughout the rest of our lives upon the earth. I had someone tell me one time, but I've read the Bible before. Well, I'm glad you did. But you haven't read it in 10 years? We need to read the word on a constant basis. Look in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. We're going to read the first 11 verses. Notice, blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord, or the word of God. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. I need to know what they are to keep them. And that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no, no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man... Do you qualify? I do. Shall a young man cleanse his way? How shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word. Look at the culmination. Have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. These first 11 verses really talk about what the whole Psalm 119 is all about. The word of God and its impact in the life of a believer. It's talking about the word of God. And he's saying to us, if we want to cleanse our way, we need to know the word. Amen. And if we want to not sin against God, we need to know the word. We need to be students of the word of God. I grew up in a church where I was never taught that at all. So I had no revelation of the word of God in my life, even though I went to church. Look at this Psalm, uh, Psalm 1, first three verses. Blessed is the man. That walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well that's easy to do. Nor stands in the way of the sinner. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth a fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall what? Prosper. So in other words. As we become students of the word of God, as we study the word of God to find out the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and appropriate or apply these principles to our lives and walk in these statutes, laws, and commandments, we'll prosper in this life. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, in every way we'll prosper. Who doesn't want that? We all want that. But notice what he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Another verse important to us. Study to show yourself approved unto God. In other words, study the word for yourself. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So in other words, we need to have the proper attitude toward the word of God and toward the studying of God's word. We really should be like the, the prophets of old that said, your words were found and I did eat them and they were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. I consider your word more than my necessary bread. Anybody here like eating? I would say we all like eating. Well, he said, I consider his word more than my need for food. 
That's a pretty strong desire, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So we should have a heart hunger for, and thirst for the word of God. Okay. Well, okay. Now how? A lot of people get hung up when it comes to how should I study the word of God? Where do I begin? It is a big book. It is a thick book. There's a lot of information in this book, wouldn't you say? Amen. Well, let's talk about that. Number one, find yourself a good translation of the Bible. One that you can understand in particular. Sometimes people get hung up on the King James's thee and thou and all that. And they get confused and they get discouraged when it comes to studying the word of God. So find some other ones. You heard me quote from the New Living Translation. There's the New American Standard Translation. There's many other translations that you could look up and use them if for example the new King James version that came out it takes away all the these and the thous but you can understand it a whole lot better now there's other paraphrases and they're good as well but you need to watch when you get involved in a paraphrase for example like the Amplified Bible or even the Living Bible is a paraphrase as well and what it tries to do is to give us a better understanding but as long as it doesn't take things out of a setting and context it's okay but keep that in mind Make sure you find yourself a good Bible that you can understand. Then secondly, what's important to do? Find some time to get alone with God. Get to a place where it's just you and Him. Remember Mark, Mark 135, what Jesus did on a daily basis? In the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So Jesus himself felt the need to do what every day to get alone with the father talk things over discuss some things that needed to be done throughout the, the let's say the day so it's important that we do what establish a time that we're going to meet with God and we're going to go over some things that are helpful to our individual lives that will give us insight and understanding as far as God's will is for our lives and then also thirdly Follow a simple plan. Come up with a plan. And here's a plan I want to share with you. Of action that is easy. So that you can learn how to study the word of God better. And this is called the SOAP plan. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. But we talked about in Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way? Use the SOAP plan. To cleanse your way. No pun intended. It's an acrostic that stands for. First of all. S scripture scripture it's important for example to come up with a scripture that you'd like to study or something the spirit prompts in your life whatever it might be you might get up in the morning and have something in your heart something on your mind and without realizing it it's the Holy Spirit maybe nudging you to study something from the word of God it could be a scripture verse. It could be a word that you can look up. And you'll find supportive scriptures. As far as that subject is concerned. But then secondly. It could. O, the O stands for observation. Observation. Look at the scripture. And ask yourself this question. These questions. Okay. What, does, what did it mean then? What did it mean to them, to them, the one he's writing to. What does it mean to me? Does it have any impact upon my life? So you have a scripture now. You're going to make some observations by asking yourself some questions. 
A, it stands for application. Now, how can I apply this particular scripture to my life? Or, it could be more than just a scripture. It could be, let's say, a subject matter that he wants you to, to study out. So it may involve more than just one time of being in the presence of God and studying one particular scripture. If it's a subject, for example, like faith or something like that, or love or whatever, it may take you weeks to study out that subject. Then P stands for prayer. Prayer. How important is it for us to get into the presence of God and ask for His help with regard to what do you want me to study today? Sometimes when I, even preparing for my messages, okay, Lord, this is something maybe I'm leaning toward, but is there something that you want me to say? Something that you want me to share? So the SOAP plan is, is very easy to follow. Some people find it very, very helpful. Get a scripture, make some observations, have a desire to apply it in your life. We should never just read it and say, yeah, that, looks, that verse is pretty good, and I think that belongs to Mary. She needs to hear this. I don't think that's what God is saying to us by His Spirit. He's probably saying, look, this is something that you need in your life. So you can conform to the image of Jesus. And then pray about it. Ask God help. Okay? Number four. Begin the whole process with prayer. Begin with prayer. Pray. Lord, for example, you know me better than I know myself. Look at Matthew 7. 7. You know me better than I know myself. How many of you know that? He knows us better than we know ourselves. So Lord, I'm asking you, what do I need to study that can change me? That can cause me to become that person that you want me to be, to better, let's say, represent you as I live my life upon the earth. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Him that asks receives. Him that seeks finds. And him that knocks, the door is open. So I'm asking you to show me. Shine the light of your scrutiny upon my life and bring something to light that maybe I need to go over, pour over, maybe throughout the course of a day. If he gives you one scripture, you might think about that scripture throughout the course of the day. All day long, just thinking about that verse, quoting that verse. Andrew um, went Christmas shopping this past Christmas. And I think, I'm trying to think where he went. I think it was, yeah, he went over to the mall. And, and he went to a store where he found a calendar of scriptures. He said, Dad, I want you to put that on, that on your desk at work. And every day, one scripture comes up, rip it off. Another one comes up, rip it off. And it's been amazing to me as I read those scriptures. For example, I just read the one. And this is something that I quote every day. And it was right before the service, of he the healing service. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He hath anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, preach the living to the captive, covering sight to the blind, set liberty to the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I read that and I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. How many of you know the Holy Ghost just has a way of doing things that's impacting to our lives? I quote that all the time. I quote that every single day of my life. Because I don't want to preach without His anointing. Would you? You know, but... 
Each one of those verses on every single day, if you just take something like that and look over it, pour over it and say, hmm, how does that apply to me? How can I make that work in my life? Okay, so begin with prayer. Finally, number five, read, write, and review. You read the scripture. Jot down some notes during your time of study. And then do an assessment. As I'm looking this over, how does this affect me? What changes do I need to make in my life for that to be a reality in my life? We should always study the Word of God with the intent of being changed so that we can honor God in our lives. So that we can keep His statutes, honor His judgments, His laws, His commandment, and live lives that are pleasing to Him. That should be the whole goal of our Bible study. Not just to say, I got up and read a whole chapter. And sometimes that's what we think. I read a chapter, boy, I really, I got myself fed today, and that's fine. But the scripture says, study to show yourself approved. How many of you know study involves a whole lot more than just reading? Read it, but then write some notes down. Jot something down. How is this going to apply to my life? What am I seeing here? What did it mean then? What does it mean now to me in my life? How can I make this a reality in my life? What adjustments do I need to make? Do an assessment. And then ask God's help along the way. Now, I just pulled this out because it was on my heart. Just to give an example as to how to do this. Attitude is what rose up in me. Attitude. So let's just say that you got up in the morning and maybe throughout the course of the day, the Lord has just placed upon you this one word called attitude. Okay, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What are you speaking to my heart? Attitude. Okay, well, first of all, let's follow the plan, the soap plan. Let's start with the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 from the Living Bible says it this way. And you can pick yourself up, a, for, for example, you can use a Nave's topical Bible where you can pick that up and it's got a list of scriptures based on subject matter. You can go, let's say, to that first area Look up attitude and find some scriptures that will talk about attitude in the Bible. They make it very easy for us today. You know, simple. So we go and we look at the scripture. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. That's the scripture. Hmm. Think about it. Okay, Lord, are you speaking directly to me? My thoughts and attitudes are all always be changing or constantly be changing for the better. Let's move over to observation. We go from scripture to observation. Well, what did it mean to them? Then, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he's speaking to them by the Spirit. And he's letting them know that now that they're in Christ, they can't remain the way they are as far as their life is concerned. Their attitudes need to be changing for the better. Their thoughts need to be changing for the better. How does that apply to me? If their thoughts and attitudes should be changing for the better, what about mine? Should my thoughts and attitudes be changing for the better as well? I conclude that they should. And say, okay, Lord, I believe you're speaking to my heart about attitudes and thoughts that I have. And mine should be changing for the better. And so, I'm accepting that. But, that's not enough. Look at application. 
I'm not going to take us take the time that we need, let's say, to read all these scriptures. But when it comes to application, let's start with them. What did it mean to them then during the time when he wrote it? If you read Ephesians 4.17 all the way through 6.9, which you can see why we're not going to do that here tonight. But if you read all those scriptures, what you would find is this. Paul was telling these individuals that are now born again in Christ, spirit-filled, that look, way back when Adam fell, his mind was darkened. His understanding was darkened. Man was empty inside. He lost the knowledge of God. As a result, his carnal nature took over. And as a result, he lived a lifestyle that was not pleasing to God. But now you see that you're in Christ. You've got to put off this old man and put on a new man. And to put on this new man in Christ, your thoughts and attitudes have got to be constantly changing for the better. Because the old man is going to want to stick up its ugly head and get you to walk down the wrong path of life. So he lists for them a bunch of scriptures and a lot of insight, information, and understanding so that they can learn what it means to represent Christ. And if they have to make adjustments and attitudes in their lives, in the way they think and the way they act, then they need to do that so that they can represent Christ properly on the earth. Beloved, once again, I want to appeal to you. A lot of teaching out there today, it's all about the root, not about the fruit. You're in Christ, and it doesn't matter basically how, you're lived, how you live, they're saying. I beg to differ with all that. I believe if you're a fruit tree, like an apple tree, you should produce apples. James made that very clear. Jesus made that very clear. Did he not say that either make the tree good and its fruit good? Or did he just say just make the, the tree good? Doesn't matter what the fruit looks like. Make the tree good and its fruit good. Or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. A, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree shouldn't produce good fruit. Make the tree good and its fruit good. Any branch of me that doesn't bear fruit is cut off. Because if we're attached to the vine, what are we going to do? We're going to produce the kind of fruit that what? Gives evidence to the fact that we are the children of God, that we are representing Christ, and the way we conduct ourselves and live our lives is a way that honors Him and glorifies Him. Well, if He told them this, and look at He told them a lot of things. He told them about be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Stop lying. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't be in bitterness. Don't be in unforgiveness. He goes on to say, imitate your father. Be like your father in heaven. He goes on to say, avoid sexual immorality. He goes on and talks about how they're walking in the light. They're not in the darkness. He talks about submission. He talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost and submitting to one another in the fear of God. He talks about why submit to your husbands. Husbands, submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Children, he talks about, make sure you honor your parents in the Lord. Notice he's giving all this instruction, all this information for what reason? To help us put on the new man in Christ. He shows us what this new man looks like. Then he says, now look, change your attitudes and your thoughts. Because you see, you have been inspired by the wrong spirit that was in you for a long time before you came to Christ. And if you allow it, it will continue to dominate your life. Now it's time for you to rise up to a place that you change. Because you have Christ in you the hope of glory, and now bear the fruit of a righteous life because you're in Christ. When it comes to employee, employee, employer uh, relationships, 
He gives instruction there. So he goes through all this information. You see, what does this look like? This is what it looks like, he's telling us. To be in Christ, this is what it looks like. I know you're not there yet, but that's okay. You need to grow. And the way you grow is how? Renewing your mind to the Word of God. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man. How? Changing your attitudes and your thoughts to line up with what the Word says. Meditate in the Word. And, and what you do is you paint a picture. This is what he looks like. This is how he acts. This is how he speaks. This is how he conducts himself. And then, uh, four, prayer. Prayer. Father, help me. Shine the light of your scrutiny upon my life. You know me better than I know myself. You know the adjustments I need to make, the change I need to make in my life. And so as I look over these scriptures, as I study them, I see myself in the word as long as it's before my eyes. But didn't Paul say the moment you walk away from it, you forget what manner of man you are? We need to continue, I mean James said that. We need to continue looking into the perfect law of liberty with the intent that I want to not just be like that in Christ positionally. I want that to manifest in and through my life practically. As I live my life upon the earth in the office of an individual, I want to be pleasing to my heavenly father in all that I think, say, and do. As I live my life as a husband, I want to conduct myself in such a way so as to honor God by placing a covering over my wife so that the life that's in me would also cover her. If you're the wife, you want to say, I want what I'm reading in the scriptures to impact my life in such a way so that I conduct myself as I should as a wife and I respect and hold in high esteem and reverence my husband because that's what he's looking for, respect, so I can honor Christ and be submission to him. We like to communicate this to young people as well. If you're a young person, what are we told? Honor your father and your mother in the Lord, for this is right. Would it not be beneficial to all families if the young ones that are growing up had this ingrained within them from a young person that you honor God when you honor your parents? You say you love God, you want to serve God, then one way you do it is by being certain that you honor your parents and listen to them as they teach you and instruct you in the ways of God. So now we see we got one little word, attitude. What's your attitude as a young person? Are you going to obey your parents to the Lord? Or are you going to walk your own way? Get into the Word of God and find out what God wants you to do. And what about the employee-employer relationship? Many people have bad attitudes when it comes to work-related relationships. And a lot of things take place on the job that really can cause a person to tarnish their testimony and ruin their witness. Have you been down that path before? I think the devil has some of his emissaries planted in certain plants and places to get under your skin on purpose, to ruin your testimony, tarnish it. Why? So that you're ineffective in influencing other people for Christ. If that's what Christ looks like, I don't want any of that. In other words, to set you up. So as we read these scriptures over and pour over them, ask yourself the question, where in all this do I fit in?
what are the attitudes I have to adjust or change? What are the thoughts that I need to adjust and change? Why? Important reasons. And we're going to see these in the final thoughts. Our attitude determines our altitude. Now remember, we're just having a little personal Bible study with the Lord right now. And we're practicing the SOAP plan of study. We found the scripture that says our thoughts and attitudes ought always to be constantly changing for the better. We've observed some things and we saw this applies to me. Because I'm in Christ. We want to apply it to our lives. Why? Because we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We don't want to just hear what he has to say. Jesus said the wise man will become a what? A doer of the word of God and do what it says to do. And so prayerfully, we're looking to the Lord to give us the insight, the strength, the ability that we need to conduct ourselves in such a way as to carry it out. So, my attitude will determine the altitude that I climb to in Christ. That's what's going to determine it. So I'm speaking to myself. My attitude and my thoughts need to change for the better. Because if I let this old man of mine, this old flesh of mine, have its way, it's not going to take me up. It's going to take me down. Now, attitude, when it comes to flying an airplane, determines the altitude that the airplane climbs to. There's an instrument in the airplane and it shows you your attitude. And the attitude is the position of the plane with the, let's say, in relationship with the horizon. And if the nose of the plane is down, you can see it could be good or bad attitude. If it's down, then without knowing it, as a matter of fact, if you recall, some plane crashes that took place, especially I, I believe it when one of the Kennedys went down. It was foggy and all that. If it's not instrument rated, you're flying. If you can see, you've got visibility, it's okay. But when there's fog and you can't see, you don't know your relationship to the horizon. And if it's the nose is down just a little bit, you've got a long distance to go, eventually you just keep on going down and you don't even know it until it hits the water. And then it's too late. So we call that a bad attitude. But a good attitude would be you're running parallel, you're running with the horizon. If you want to climb, then you're going to put that nose up, go a little higher. So the attitude of the plane will determine the altitude of the plane. And so when it comes to our lives, the same thing is true. The attitude that you and I possess will determine the altitude that we climb to in Christ. And our attitude should be that I'm not pleased with where I'm at. I want to change from glory to glory. I'm going to look more like Christ. I'm going to act more like Christ. I'm going to speak more like Christ. I want to represent him in a better way. I'm not just content with going to church and just saying, I want the church. I put in my time and then go live like you want to live for the rest of the week. That's not what we want. No, we've been called to do what? Emulate the very life of Jesus Christ. We've been called to let other people see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So they would want what we have. And the only way we're going to do that is by changing from glory to glory. And we change by having an attitude change. Now, bad attitudes have destroyed individuals' lives, destroyed marriages. It's destroyed careers. Bad attitudes have destroyed churches. It's destroyed the lives of children. The list goes on and on. Bad attitudes can ruin an organization. It can ruin a relationship. See, if we don't adjust our attitude to be Christ-like, 
then we can be guilty of allowing a bad attitude to bring destruction to all these areas. But a good attitude is the very opposite of that. A good attitude will do what? Create wonderful relationships in marriage, whether it's in a church, where you work, etc. In your children's lives. I've seen sometimes where parents are just so fed up with their children, they have a bad attitude about them. And they speak it out, they spew it out, they talk about it and say things that they probably shouldn't be saying to their children because what happens to them? They pass on their attitude toward their children. And with a negative, pessimistic, bad attitude, it'll bring destruction. So we're just talking about one word, attitude, and we're doing a Bible study. We're finding a scripture, and it says our thoughts and attitudes ought to be changing for the better. We made some observations, and these observations are helpful, helpful to us because they're telling us, I need to do something about my thoughts and attitudes. Now we can, for example, use other subjects with regard to attitude. What's your attitude toward healing? What's your attitude toward fear? What's your attitude toward stress? And anxiety? And worry? What's your attitude? There have been so many attitudes, I'll be honest with you, in this locality about the demise of, of Beaver County. Where I believe we had to stand up and rise up against all these attitudes that out there that exist talking about this is nothing more than a, people are retiring, they're leaving, young people are leaving, they're leaving the... You can't have that kind of an attitude. I can't find a job. I'm never going to find a job around here. You can't have an attitude like that. If an attitude that says, I'm just not going to be able to receive my healing. I don't know how I'm going to get healed. If that kind of an attitude exists within our hearts and souls, we're going to go nosedive. We're going to go down. But when our attitude changes and we start thinking like this, what matters is this. My eyes are on him and not me. My eyes are are on what Jesus has done for me and not me. It's not on what the world can offer. It's based on what he has done. Notice these. I wrote these out. You can see these will be very helpful. You can't change your life. But how many of you know you can change your attitude? So let's conclude our little study by saying this. You want to be stressed out and distressed? Anybody here game for that? Look within. In other words... Try to do it on your own. If you think you can do it on your own, like a lot of people do, you're going to get so stressed out trying to do it because you're no match for the forces of darkness that are out there in this world that will come against you and every effort that you make to try to succeed. So if you want stressed out, here's an attitude change. We have to make an attitude change. But if you do it this way, Look within, you'll be stressed out. Next, you want to be defeated? Look back. Remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt and there they were on their way into the promised land? Under Moses' leadership, we'd like to go back. We want to go back. We want to go back. We want to go back the way it was. We were content with the way it was. They forgot that they were in prison. They forgot that they were slaves. They forgot they were imprisoned by the Egyptians to be their slaves, to work this hard labor. And they thought they had it good back then. Why? Was it going too tough or whatever? And looking back, you want to be defeated? Look back. And if you keep your focus on that which is behind, Paul said, I forget the things that are behind me. I'm not looking back. I'm not even looking within myself. Because in myself, I can't get the job done. I can't do it. Number three, you want to be distracted? Look around. 
Oh, how easy is it for us to be distracted by looking around everything that's going on? How many people are so upset with what's going on in the world today that it impacts their lives in such a way they develop an attitude that says, this is nothing but utter chaos and where do I even fit in? Trust me, you've got young people, they don't even know what their lives are about. Think about it. Even on the news, you can't even trust the news. You can't even trust the media. You have no idea what their position is. You don't even know today if what they're reporting is actually true. Come on. Is it not true? You don't even know. So if you want stressed out, look within. If you want the feet to look back. If you want the strategy to look around. If you want to be dismayed. Look ahead. Look ahead. In other words, I've heard young people say, what's my future going to be like? How am I going to be able to accomplish it? How am I going to be able to do that? See, it's all about what I can do or what I can't do. And it seems like the world, the way it's going right now, it's just, it's just too tough for us young people to make it. The cost of education, etc., etc. But you know what? If you want in your life to be delivered from an attitude that's bad so you can have a good attitude don't look within don't look back don't look around and don't look forward look up look up I will lift up my eyes and look into the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth my eyes are upon him. Jehoshaphat, when he got the, the wind or the news that they were going to be destroyed by the three armies that were coming, he said, Lord, my eyes are on you. I'll tell you what, when your eyes are on the Lord, all that stuff will just fall by the wayside in your life. You know why? You're not doing it. You're not looking to yourself. You're not looking without to others. You're not looking back. You're looking up. And you're saying, Jesus, you are my source of strength. You are my everything and all in all. My eyes are on you. My attention is on you. I'm focusing on you, Jesus, because only you can make me succeed. And so no matter what our circumstances dictate, no matter how the enemy tries to get our attitudes bad to, to point down. If we will keep our eyes looking up. It will affect the way we think. And it will affect our attitude. I can do all things who Christ Paul said. Who strengthens me. I'm independent of the circumstances that are around me. It doesn't matter for me if I'm abased or if I abound. Because you know why? I can do all things through Christ and He supplies all my need, not according to the world's economy, but according unto His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So you take this one word, attitude, and what do you develop out of it? A little Bible study for yourself that says, this scripture applies to my life in this way. And as far as I'm concerned, I am going to do what it says. 
Lord, help me change my attitude and my thoughts to line up with yours. I want my thinking to line up with yours. I want to think on things that are true, that are honest, that are lovely, that are of good report. Any virtue, any praise, I think upon these things. I can do all things through Christ, who is the strength of my life. And I'm thanking you, Father God, for the ability to do it. If anybody can receive, I can receive. God wants us to change our attitudes and the way we think. And stop thinking that this world is greater than the God that we serve. God is greater in every single one of us. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask and above all we think. How? By the power that's where? Within us. Now if you want to look within, look within you having the power of God through the Holy Spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead, and then start saying, I can do all things through Christ. It is never apart from Him. It is always united together with Him, joining forces together with Him. And no matter what we face, praise God, we should have an optimistic attitude, not a pessimistic attitude, and start thinking on those things that are in Him. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.